Hallow be their name, and blessed be their claim. If you who trespass put down roots, then hollow be your name. This month on The Girls Who Cried Be Horror, we're going back to our Irish roots with 2015's The Hollow. Always, I'm Anya. And I'm Alex. And we are in Aquarius season, which is really where I thrive. I am living my best life in February. I know I feel like it's everyone's least favorite month, but it's a you know the month where you can celebrate me and my triple Aquarius energy. And there's also a holiday where you can eat chocolate. So like February is not that bad. February is certainly not my favorite least favorite month. I feel like I don't know, January is a mm-hmm. big contender for being my least favorite because it's just like it's cold. It's miserable. Uh, January, I'm like, do not contact me. Don't ask me to hang out. Like, it's nothing personal. I want to be high. I'm hibernating. Yeah. Um. Anyways, but yes. Um. So, as previously stated in the opening, we're doing 2015's The Hollow, which is uh, an Irish movie based on Irish folklore, mm-hmm. which is fun because I I'm pretty sure we haven't done any Irish horror. Uh on the pod at all i don't i mean there might be i don't think so and for any for anyone who wants to watch this it is spelled like it would be pronounced the hollow not yeah like hollow but with an a just just for reference and while we're there if you want to watch it it's streaming on shutter and on tubi um so let's get that out the gate immediately and i think it's also mm, that's not true maybe a little bit I, i i was gonna say it feels I think it's, like, the first, at least if we're talking about main episodes, first, like, horror movie we've done that's, like, folklore-based. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd have to really look at the list to know if that's correct. There's – Pumpkinhead feels like it veers to folklore territory, but, like, I don't think there's actually any real Pumpkinhead folklore other than, like, the poem that exists that it's, like, based around. Right. It's not, um, like, a, it's not centered in, like, a culture's actual folklore yeah, exactly. that's based in reality. Like, Pumpkinhead is a – a poem and a story, and this is based on folklore that exists in the real world. Yeah, and this is also giving um, Pumpkinhead a lot of the time. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll talk about yeah. that. Um, but yeah, and it is the I believe. Let's see here. Uh, yeah, it is was the first feature of director Corin Hardy. Oh, no. um, so, great first feature. But yeah, and this is I think. I want. I think my third time watching this movie because I, I don't even remember how I discovered it the first time I watched it. I was definitely like in probably like high school, and I found it, and I was like, "What do you say?" My soul. I was working full time at the theater in 2015. I mean, I didn't watch it when it came out in 2015. Like I watched it probably a few years after that. So I didn't know. That's gonna. I couldn't have been in high school, girl. Do you see? My fucking brain is You're warped. You're going to make me go no, into I... a fucking grave thinking I was 50 years old right now. 
bitch, I literally, the literally, I was at fucking Dave and Buster's for this damn party the other day, and somebody was talking to me, and I don't know why they fucking asked, but they were like, oh, what year did you graduate college? And not thinking, because I'm a dumbass, mm-hmm. and I know I'm always, like, somewhere else, with my full chest, I was like, oh, I graduated college in 2015. And they literally just, like, looked at me for a minute, and they were like, just, like, shaking their head, like, sure, I'll go along with that. And I was like, I don't know why the fuck I said that. I didn't graduate in 2015. That's when I graduated high school. And they were like, yeah, like, I was thinking, like, you look really, you look really young for 30. And I was like, well, <laughs> I'm not. Um, so anyways, I'm really bad with the fucking dates. Um, doesn't matter. When I saw it, probably then early college, okay. um, I was, like, very pleasantly surprised. Um, I think a huge factor was, like, I was, like, uh, because it, I feel like the way it's set up is like slow burn ass yeah, sure. feeling, but, but it's only like ninety or so minutes. And then I finally was like, "We're never gonna see the things they're talking about." And then you do, and I was like, "Oh, oh my god, great!" Um, and I was really excited. And then I do remember this when I was doing my semester quote unquote abroad, mm-hmm. which is when I went from studying in Boston for a semester to studying Los Angeles for a semester, um, which is not fucking abroad. Um, But that's how they love to sell it to you. Um, The girls that I became like best friends with while I was there in our like shitty fucking dorm rooms, um, I convinced them that we should watch this movie. Um, And I feel like I liked it then too. But I, the funny thing is this fucking new year's Eve they i was back home in new york um one of them lives in new york still and the other one actually currently funny enough lives in ireland mm-hmm. um she was back home visiting and i got this like surprise visit where we got breakfast together whatever and before they left they were we were like reminiscing blah blah and like do you remember that horror movie that we watched and we'd also forced our one friend to watch the conjuring so i was like are you talking about when we watched like the conjuring they're like no like it was like there was something with like a baby and blah blah, blah. and i was like the hollow <laughs> They were like, yeah. And I was like, I didn't even remember that we watched that together. But they were like, no, we did. Which then put it back on my mind. I was like, yeah, I haven't watched that in a while. Which is what spurred me to be like, you know what? Let's watch it for the pod. I love when Um, people who are like not horror people, like you show them something and it sticks with them so much that like years later they're like, do you remember that fucking movie you showed me? I love that. And it's always so it's yeah, it's so curious the things that stick. Mm-hmm. Because even sometimes when it's like a movie where I'm like, Well, of course. Like I remember I showed a friend in college, um, Jeepers Creepers. Oh yeah. And obviously I'm like, oh, I think that's a great movie, like blah blah blah. She was fucking utterly terrified. And for the longest time, we were also on like the tenth or twelfth floor of like our dorm building. She was convinced every night that like she was gonna look out her window, mind you, on the tenth or twelfth floor, and she was gonna see Jeepers Creepers like hovering there looking in at her. I don't disagree. And I was like I was like, I'm so sorry that I traumatized you so deeply. Um, Not to go into Jeepers Creepers tangent because I don't want to support the filmmaker of that film, but um Right. I saw that movie when I was probably like 10 and it haunted me and it was like one of my favorite horror yeah. movies. I loved it so much. And I think two was fun with the bus, um, but that's as far as I'll go. Two, yeah. I mean, I I also remember, it, we definitely like, it was like me and Bridget, maybe also Seamus. We have the memory of like stumbling upon it on sci-fi mm. or some shit. Oh, yeah. And like for the longest time, we would always just do the like jeepers, creepers. Like, oh, yeah. oh my God. I think I rented it because of so long, honestly. You I think say? I rented it because of Justin Long. Mm. Love him. That'll do it. But 
What about you? Yes. Um, I have seen this one other time, but I did not remember like anything. I saw it when it came mm-hmm. out in 2015. Um It was my very first time hosting people at my very first apartment Um, because after college, I lived at home for a while before Greg and I moved in together and we had Christine and Joey over and we had a little like game day. We played games. I made a cheesecake and we watched The Hollow and I remember really enjoying it and thinking it was fun, but not really remembering much like going into my rewatch I was like okay what do I remember about this movie I remember that it is a slow burn I remember that it's Mm -hmm. in the woods I remember there's some shit with like a car and a baby and there's little creepy guys and we're in Ireland and that is all I remembered so this rewatch kind of like blew my ass away a little bit I liked it so much more on this second viewing and it just was so goopy I didn't expect it to be as gross and like icky and slimy as it was but I'm here for it yeah so here I kind of forgot all about the kind of like black sludge of it all like I remembered a little bit because I remember the eye thing Mm -hmm. but then it's like there from the jump and I was like oh right this is like a big factor um but anywho um I guess let's um for anybody that uh, as per usual, needs a recap or doesn't want to watch or whatever the hell, why don't we give you a little rundown of what The Hollow is about? Yes. All right. So we are set in a small village in Ireland, um, and they established pretty early on that um, Ireland is the only country, I believe, that does not have public forests. I don't know if that is a legitimate fact or not, or if it's just something that was said in the film, but it was essentially yeah. about how a lot of conservationists are trying to, um, you know, save the trees and the forests. And so we go to Ireland where a British conservationist named Adam and his family, his wife, Claire, and his new little baby infant boy, Finn, are moving to this remote village so that he can study the forests that are there. And he specifically specializes in like fungi and plant life. So they're there. He's like marking up all these trees that need to get taken down so they can, uh, I think, I think they're planning on like planting new trees and like kind of revitalizing the forest. So that's why they're there. They stay in this creepy little house that has iron bars all over the windows. So while Adam is out exploring the forest with his dog and his baby, his wife stays back at home, removing all of the iron bars from the window and their neighbor, a local farmer named Column, arrives with his son and demands to speak with Adam. He's not happy that the family is there, nor is the rest of the community, because they do not want them messing around in their forests. They say it's dangerous. It's, they should not be there. Um, that night, when he get when Adam oh uh, while Adam is exploring the forest, he stumbles upon a little hut, like a little cabin that his dog runs into, where there is a deer carcass that is filled with this like black, gooey, like parasitic disgustingness um and he takes a sample of it and when he gets back home he puts it underneath his microscope and you get one of those really cool uh close-up microscope things of like a cell injecting another cell and like morphing and it's it's something that he's clearly never seen before he's very fascinated by it but also a little bit frightened um claire tells him that you know colin was here you need to go see him and he's like no 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 i'll go see him tomorrow being a fucking man about it and that night a window in their baby's room breaks and things get thrown all over the place. Uh, immediately, they think, oh, this must be Colum. He must have come back. And 
he's doing this to try to scare us away because he doesn't want us to be here. So they call the police, but the police are like, nah, it's probably just a bird. It probably just like crashed through your window and it's fine. But while the police officer is there, he tells them, basically, he gives you all of the the information that you need as an audience where he's like, the, you know, our community doesn't want you here. It's a very superstitious community. They believe in the hollow, which is a group of fairies or banshees or baby stealers, is what he says, uh, that live in the woods and that is their domain. They do not want you here because you're messing with them. And they have taken Colum's daughter, or so he believes. He would have you believe that his daughter Cora was taken by the, the hollow. They don't really believe him. But the next day, Adam's car breaks down, and when he is trying to fix it, he discovers all of that parasitic goo in his engine, and then he gets knocked out and shoved into his trunk. And when he awakens, something is slamming on the door, on the car door, scratching it, rocking it back and forth, and he has to break through his back seat to get to his son. And he runs back to his house with his baby, and while home, the house is ransacked, the power goes out. They again think that it's Colum fucking with them, trying to get them to leave. And so they escape. But when they are trying to get the car to work, all of the little creatures start emerging. And you get to see all of the spooky little guys as they try to attack them. They eventually get the car to start, but they end up crashing it because they're being chased by all of these guys. Um, They get back home and the creatures are getting in. So they put all the iron back up. They board themselves up. They discover that light hurts them. And while looking through a keyhole, very importantly, a little stinger shoots into Adam's eye and injects him with the parasite. As they are trying to keep the creatures outside of their house, they hide Finn in a cupboard as he is, as Adam is starting to slowly uh, transform internally and having all of these pains. Um, And then unfortunately, Finn is stolen by one of these creatures, one of these fairies, and brought into the woods. So Claire chases after him, has to jump into the pond to save her baby. But when she returns, Adam, who is still transforming, says, that is not our baby. Because I forgot earlier, Colm came back again and gave them like this big book where it says essentially all of the fairies are, they're changelings, which is a whole folklore I'm sure we'll get into about changelings, where they replace your baby with another creature that looks like your baby. Adam tries to convince her that's not our baby. She doesn't believe him, but he is able to get the real Finn back. And before being attacked by a creature himself, he convinces her to take the real Finn and escape before the sun comes up and destroys the baby changeling and Adam dies. And then at the very end, very cabin fever-esque, we see all of the logs getting chopped down and brought out in on these trucks, but look, there's sludge all over them, and it's going to contaminate the rest of the community. Mm-hmm. That's it. Sorry, that was lengthy. The sludge also makes me think, especially because it's on like the cut down tree trunks. It's giving fern gully. Mm. It's also very much giving splinter. Mm, yes, 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 yes. Love it. Um. Okay. Well, bearing all that in mind, let's get through a little bit of fun bts stuff so as previously stated it was corin hardy's uh feature film released in 2015 um a little bit more about corin hardy um he's an english director um some of you may know him already from the hollow you might also know him because he directed the first the nun movie 
Um, That's not an endorsement. No. He's the showrunner on Gangs Gangs of London, I believe. Okay. One of those. Sorry if I'm getting that wrong. But the big thing – he has like a few, um, I think, uh, films in production. Um, But – the big thing that he, I feel like, most recently had his name going around is I believe he is slated to be the director for The Crow remake. Oh, really? Yes. I feel like he could do that well. That's a good energy for him, I think. Yeah. more of the – Well, when vibe. I was watching – what did you say? It has more of the hollow vibe than it does the nun. No, 100%. Well, when I was watching and I had seen that, I was like – and I'm rewatching The Hollow. I was like, oh, yeah, I definitely feel like – we could get the right vibes for the crow. But then when I was looking again, I was like, oh, he also did the nun? <laughs> yeah, I weird. I didn't realize. Um, I mean, that's what happens when you make a, a really good, small, independent film. And then they're like, here's a big studio production that you probably didn't have any creative control over. Just direct it. You know? Yeah. And I think especially with, like, the Conjuring Universe stuff, like, yeah. it's so – there, there's so much going on there now that, like, I mean, it, it's its own cinematic universe at this point. Oh, yeah. Like, so, um, for better or for worse. Unless James Wan is but- directing it, I don't really think it's good. Pardon the interruption creeps for this little ASMR moment from one of your co-hosts, Anya, here. Um, it is currently a flood warning in L.A. as I record this, so if you can hear the rainfall in the background, that's what that is. But while I was editing this, I noticed an error on my part in my background information that isn't entirely incorrect, but it is not up to date. So I'd like to correct that now for the record, which is that Corin Hardy was originally set to direct a Crow remake, reboot, whatever you'd like to call it. But he, as usually happens, or not usually, but sometimes happens in Hollywood, things change. New directors are put into new projects, and as of now, there is a Crow remake set to come out this year, 2024, but not directed by Corin Hardy. It is directed by Rupert Sanders, uh, also known for Ghost in the Shell and Snow White and the Huntsman, uh, starring Bill Skarsgård and FKA Twigs. So be on the lookout for that, and also always be on the lookout for me being a dumbass, because I do it a lot. But I just wanted to update that information for you creeps, and now, back to the episode. But the film was shot on location in Ireland, which is why um, when they have, like, the driving scenes that it's mm. scenic and it's beautiful. Um, for six weeks, it was shot there. Um, all because, you know, the director wanted it to feel as real as possible and because it was based on Irish folklore. Mm. Um, which he had also stated, like, he didn't want to go the supernatural route with the folklore. He wanted it to kind of be based more in science, which is where the, like, cordyceps and black sludge of it all comes Mm. in. Um, He was also, um, I mean, he's a big horror fan. Um, You know, he states many references for this film. He, one has described the film as he believes it's Straw Dogs 1971, to be specific, meets uh, Pan's Labyrinth. Um, straw dogs? which I can see a little bit. Yeah, you do you know straw dogs? I want to make sure I'm thinking of the correct film. Probably you are. Yeah, I don't really see straw dogs in this, but okay. Personally, I guess the straw dogs of it all is like you being in your house, and I guess like people, mm. like the people of the land or whatever the I community. Straw like, dogs just has like such a. Like, I think of obviously <clears throat> the big inciting incident, so like I would consider it more like yes. a last house on the left. Like I would compare it to then this, but you know, if he it was in, it was an inspiration, then it, it was. What are you gonna do? Um, 
And then, well, he also stated um, the films of Ray. I'm gonna fucking mispronounce this last name. Ray <laughs> Harryhausen. Okay. Harryhausen. Um, and also Alien, uh, The Evil Dead, The Fly, and The Thing, which um, I can definitely see some of the like like I can probably see all of those. I think like The Fly and The Thing definitely come more from like the practical like creature mm-hmm. stuff. Um, maybe a little bit of Alien. Alien, I know, I think was specifically cited. Um for lighting reasons um oh actually i think he says right here he says uh, the practical uh vfx were influenced by alien um specifically the use of lighting and also references the planet of the apes specifically 2001 um for the augmentation with cgi oh with like the changeling faces and stuff yeah that makes sense yes um and evil dead i guess the the woods of it all yeah. Not, not a lot else is giving me kind of like this movie isn't like really like silly or campy at all. No, I would think that I, I think this film is pretty serious in tone, which I do feel like I might have been pushing the the definition a little, stretching it a little thin for B horror. No, but I, I mean, I it is certainly a low budget film. It's definitely it's certainly a low budget film. Um, but which gets to my next thing they had they were originally actually supposed to shoot this on film um but they were there were budget restrictions mm-hmm. so it was shot on specifically on uh, ari alexa digital camera so for any of you camera heads <laughs> do with that what you will um but back to what i was saying about him being really big horror fan so like based on also all the like obviously like horror influence he had and blah blah like he was very adamant that like not against cg but like definitely like wanted to do as much practical as possible which i think very much comes through in the final film like it's in front of your fucking eyes you can see it um for example and like so a lot of it ended up being a mix which honestly I think is like in the world we live in now with the technology advances Mm -hmm. is the perfect combination, which we still get sometimes. I think it's not only the perfect, I think the perfect solution is like mixing the two. Um, Obviously CG for the little things you can't quite get with practical. I think sometimes even when they do that still, they always lean more CG or they do like a little bit too much CG where you're still like, girl, what was the point of the practical at all at this point? Like, what are we doing? Anyways, Um, I don't feel that way about this film, but um, for an example is like the baby mm-hmm. uh, in the film, not for the whole film, obviously, but uh, is a mix of animatronic and real twins that they used in the filming that were digitally shot in front of a blue screen. Okay. Um, so they could make him a crazy little changeling. Um, but um, back also to uh, – Corn Hardy's upcoming endeavors with the crow. Um, apparently, he sent a rough cut of the hollow to the same studio that develops or is developing the crow reboot. And that consequently got him the job to make the reboot. Oh, I love that. Which they must, I mean, they've definitely been working on it for a while because if he's sending a rough cut yeah. of the hollow, that had to be either like 2014 or 2015 at some mm-hmm. time we're now in fucking what 2024 so i don't know that's if that's crazy. gonna be something that's like stuck in development hell or i mean it's a controversial film to remake i think um yes absolutely. especially i think now in light of like all of the the recent like prop gun situations on oh, sets and you know but well i think it's a great thing to 
prove how and why you would be so good as a director to remake that. Like, obviously, do not send them the nun. But <laughs> the hollow, yeah, for sure. Um, And then lastly, I have a quote from Corin Hardy, um, which kind of goes back into talking about um, his clear, like, attention to detail. Or, like, obviously, like, clear, like, love and passion and, like, time and effort, which obviously can be argued obviously for any film that gets made like making a fucking movie is hard um but specifically when it comes once again to the hollow creatures Mm -hmm. and obviously not wanting to make them all cg and not wanting to also like just like put like a random guy in a rubber fucking mask um so his quote is I auditioned about a hundred performers and movement artists. I auditioned dancers, contortionists, mountain climbers, parkour people, animal, animal movement specialists. I really wanted to find that balance of characteristics. You can't just tell them you're going to wear a rubber suit and do this. Partly because of the tight shooting schedule, you have to have pre-rehearsed workshops for becoming the creatures, what their mindset was, how they communicated. So Clearly, a lot of time and effort went into making sure that these creatures served cunt. <laughs> um, and I think that it paid off. Um, well, yeah, I think especially in a film like this where the big reveal is the creatures, especially yeah. because it isn't like a comedy in any way. Like it, it does take itself seriously as like a movie about this specific kind of folklore where if you get to the creatures and they're stupid or they're just like, do it you know, it's going to be, it's just going to, it's going to ruin the whole film. Like they have to be effective. They have to be spooky. They have to be able to move in like a creepy, uncanny way. So I, yeah, that's amazing. I love that. But, excuse me. But that is um, the, the brief uh, BTS fun fact section I have for you. Um, So now let's get into the meat of the movie, which is something I would love to say off the top, Mm -hmm. which I noted. Um, is like this might be the nicest looking main episode movie that we've done. I'd have to once again go back and look at like our full list, mm-hmm. but I mean, not to say, I mean, some of them have like I think even when we've talked about like when we did like Giant Spider Invasion, where we made note of like some of those shots were like really mm-hmm. like pretty and like nice. I, I'm talking specific because if you looked at like some of like the dark scenes in this movie, like when like the stuff's happening, I wouldn't say that like they're really pretty and scenic. Like, it's, like, dark and, like, a fucking, like, decaying house. I meant more, like, and I noted it, like, right from the jump when, like, he's in the forest uh, with Finn and he's, like, collecting samples on the trees and da 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 Mm -hmm. That I was like, this is, like, crisp. Like, this looks like, and mind you, obviously it's also being shot in 2015 versus, like, the 70s or the 80s or whatever. Um, And it is still very low budget. But I just was, like, yeah, I'm not used to, like, when we're, like, watching something for the pod being, like, oh, this is in, like, crisp, nice-ass fucking HD. That's so true. Yeah, I didn't even really think about that. But especially if you're something ha- as low-budget as, as I'm assuming this was, that is yeah. amazing. And it, it reminds me of Pumpkinhead in that way, too, where, like, if mm. Pumpkinhead could have been as crisp as this was. Yeah. Oh, my God. But then again, I don't know. I feel like the the kind of foggy haziness of Pumpkinhead is also where a lot of its appeal comes from. So I feel like this film took those elements, but then like it made it beautiful in a, I'm stroking out. The cinematography is very beautiful. Yes, there it is. Um, (laughs) And yeah, not to say that one is better than the other because yeah, like 
when you, yeah, as you were thinking, like, I think of like killer clowns from outer space, like, oh, early so things. Fun. Like, I love when they look that way. Yeah. Like, and the thing is, like, when now when filmmakers try to recreate that look by either like shooting on film and or like putting like gray and stuff or whatever mm-hmm. it ends up being, it's like, I, it always just feels like, oh, that's like a nice homage, but like, it never feels authentic mm-hmm. to like, but I know that it wasn't shot that way or like I know it wasn't shot in that time where it's like it's that it, you can never I feel like fully capture again how those movies look mm-hmm. which is why I love them so I'm not saying like so thank god we finally got some crisp shit um it was just more of like uh me noticing like oh wow we haven't really done something that looks quite like this yet which is fun no, I totally um, agree it, it feels very much like a like what did this have a theatrical release do you know I yes, but I think it was small. Okay, you know it, it's amazing. It looks amazing. It, I mean, I think it was also a Sundance film mm. as well. Just a fact that yeah. that tracks. Um, but let's talk about um our lead, uh, who is uh Joseph Mall playing Adam Hitchens. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say from the jump. I don't know. I'm not on his side. I'm not on his team. No, you don't. I, I don't know. It was just like from the jump, it's like, okay, like he's cute dad. He's got like the baby Bjorn on his back. Like, great. He's taking his son through a beautiful walk in the forest. All that's fine. I'm like, okay, yes, dad. Um, And then it get when I start to be like, girl, what the fuck are we doing? Like, it's giving such man brain that I'm like, enough. Mm-hmm. Um is when he, like, stumbles upon, like, the ruins of whatever that fucking, like, house or whatever the hell it was, and he finds this dead deer, like, rotting in the fucking corner, which is him. Okay, you're in the house. Debatable why you're in, like, a fucking crumbling structure with a baby on your back in the first place, but, like, we'll put that aside. Then you see this fucking animal. I get, like, maybe taking a few steps closer to be like, what am I seeing? This bitch starts fucking climbing over, like, fallen like planks of wood and shit like that to get insanely close to this fucking deer that's like rotting he like pulls the head now he's touching it pulls the head off the wall it's like goo central it's like thing like black something which we learn is like some sort of like cordyceps later is like growing out of it already i'm like mind you the baby's right there he didn't like set the baby down across the room and he's like i'll be right back it's right there with him and i get like sure like Maybe you don't want to be, like, one of those parents that's, like, my baby. Like, whatever. Like, everything is, like, dangerous. But I'm, like, but this is, like, to me, the other end of the spectrum where, like, you're not caring enough. And as we see, I am correct in feeling that way because this shit is dangerous. And then he, like, yeah, he takes a fucking sample of it. And then there's this scene later when his wife is, like, Claire is talking. He's, like, telling her all about the cordyceps, which, like, he's one of those guys where it's, like, he's so in love with his work. He's so in love with his work. Fine. But then there's moments where she's, like, oh, like you know, like, can you do this? Or like, oh, like the, 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 the roof's coming in. He's like, clearly not really paying attention. He's like, is it actually coming in? And she's like, yes. Can you fucking get up? The fuck? Um, the but they're in before. the kitchen. I just wanted to say, you've said it like five times and I had to look it up. <laughs> like, What the fuck is a cordycep? Cordycep? Oh yeah. Oh, it's fascinating. They talk, That's the whole thing that The Last of Us is. Oh, I haven't watched The Last of Us. That makes sense. Well, 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 the truth comes out. It's been on my list. I just don't really ever feel like being emotionally devastated, you know? Mm, can't, couldn't be me. I love emotional I think devastation. I think your um, your take on Adam is very interesting to me 
because I think I have a different opinion. I just he when he brings the shit into the house and she literally says to him, she's like, Okay, like that's all cute and fine, like that you have your little thing that you love. Like as long as you don't bring it into the house and he's like, mm, you I already did. I think I would agree Fuck with that. Off. I think I would agree with that if it were their actual home. But like they've traveled to this place specifically for his job, for his work, which is studying the fungus and the plant life in this forest. So if you find a dead deer in the forest that you are canvassing and it has this strange black goo that you've never seen before, he kind of is like, he doesn't really have much of a choice. Like that's why he's there. He needs to study it and see what it is because I'm sure that that could have some kind of impact on the tree life and all the stuff that is coming on the trees. And it's like, yeah, I wouldn't want to bring it into my home with my my wife and my baby and my dog either. But at the same time, it's not their home. They're just going to be there for like X amount of time until he's done with this job and he's keeping it in his office. And of course, at the time he didn't realize it was something as dangerous as it was. So like, I don't, I think that he's being kind of an idiot man always because I think most men are idiots, but at the same time, Mm -hmm. I understand why he did it. And I don't think that she was like mad. She seemed kind of just like, ugh, your classic annoyed wife. I have, I take, and I think also like he does seem like, like with his, he has his issues with like not listening to her when she tells yeah. him to like go see Column and deal with it. And obviously, you know, he takes a while to come around on all of the folklore stuff. I think it takes him longer than it takes her. But at the end of the day, like, I think that throughout the film, you can see how much he loves his wife, how much he loves his baby, how much he loves his dog. Because when his dog becomes infected with the parasites and starts to transform, like, you can see the like devastation on his face when he's like lost mm-hmm. his dog. So I think that at, the, at his heart and obviously at the end of the film, he sacrifices himself yeah. to ensure that his baby is returned to his wife. So like, I think he's a good guy. I think he has moronic tendencies um, and he maybe didn't use his brain the best way all of the time. But like, I do understand his motivations. And if I think if in, if I was in his place and I were studying fungus and that was why I was there. I would probably study the fungus, you know? I mean, I will give you that. A hundred percent. I'll give you that. I'm still fucking standing on my fucking hill of like, why were you collecting the sample with the fucking baby on your back? Did you want to put, like, put the baby on the ground? You can fucking walk home. The fucking forest ain't going nowhere, bitch. Yeah, I think it's weird that, that he brought the baby to do to the forest at all. You leave the baby at home and then you bring the dog. You don't bring a baby. Well, because, well, it seems at first like he's just, like, walking in the woods. Right. And it's daytime. And at this point, he's, I don't even know if he's really collecting the samples. He's more so, like, tagging trees yeah. to come back and collect samples or do what the fuck ever. So it's like, that's all fine and dandy. Why the fuck he was like, I won't take it off the tree, <laughs> but I'll take it off this fucking decaying deer carcass. That's fair. He should have gone home, dropped off the baby, come back with gloves and, like, some vials yes. and stuff. But, you know. The dog alerted him to it. He was just caught up in the whirlwind of it. Jesus. It's it's always just a small action like that that begins the end. But, but bringing back to the cordyceps of it all, mm-hmm. it is funny because cordyceps, at least like for me, came into my realm of knowledge because of The Last of Us. Mm -hmm. I'm speaking specifically now about the video game first, um, which was released in 2013, so two years before this. Um, So who's to say if there was even a little bit of – because obviously, like, yes, this is based on Irish folklore, 
um, I, I'm assuming, having not read the Irish folklore personally myself, that I wouldn't imagine that it has cordyceps in the story because it's folklore and it's fairy tale. So it's interesting that in the attempt to make it, okay, we're taking that, but I want to do the whole, like, let's do the scientific route to explain it. He did go to the cordyceps Mm -hmm. way because it is, I think it has been stated. And I think a lot of people would agree with this, that like after the last was came out and it was huge, it has been, while it's like clear inspirations it took from prior before it, it's also clear things that have been inspired Mm -hmm. by the last of us since it so i am a little curious if there was like anything there or if it's just one of those things again where it's like serendipity and it's just like oh we both like end up going the same route and then obviously now i think the cordyceps of it all if you're if you watch the last of us show or whatever because like they very much hammer it home and like really lean into like how like low-key this could happen in real life in the real world so i think watching this back now completely having mm-hmm. forgotten that like there was no cordyceps element and they're like he literally says like cordyceps the cordyceps the cordyceps on the ants i was like oh no well, what if the hell happens to us no i completely agree i think that in general i think folklore is fascinating and my favorite my very specific favorite kind of folklore is changelings it is my number one favorite thing i love the concept of changelings i love the lore there. And I, there is no science in the standard lore of changelings. It's all based in like, it's kind of like demonic almost. Like a lot of people believe that um, when a changeling takes a baby and they are replaced with the changeling, that that original baby is like given to the devil or is then raised Mm -hmm. by the fairies um, for some kind of like demonic purpose. Um, and fun fact for you, sometimes the changeling that it takes the form of the baby is not a creature at all, but like a stick that they have enchanted to look like a baby. Oh. <laughs> it can be either. Sometimes it is like, like stick baby. It's, sometimes it's just a magical like creature that then just like morphs bodies and becomes the baby. Yeah. But sometimes it's literally just a stick that they put a spell on and then they think it's the baby and the baby will like not grow correctly. I was reading earlier that there was like a case of um an adult who was taken and then they like the the changeling that went back as the person like became very sickly and died and then they had to like bury him that they thought like the human being died but like they were living in the forest with the fairies. And there was also a true crime story of a man long time ago who thought that his wife was replaced by a changeling. She was he was convinced of it so he killed her and she was not. Spoiler alert. She was obviously yeah, a woman. Um, yeah. Um, but I think it's fascinating. And so the fact that he added science into that, for me, just kind of like amplified it even more because scientific stuff like this with like fungus and parasites, it really freaks me out because obviously it could mm-hmm. happen. And we know so little about like the small little things out in the world. There could be, I'm sure there mm-hmm. are so many things that we have never explored we have never dissected we don't know we don't know the effects that they could have and it's very real and it's very frightening because obviously these big fairies or whatever you want to call them those are frightening i don't want to have to deal with them they're ransacking my house they're throwing shit through my windows they're trying to steal my baby they're they're bad in their own way but yeah the what is it called the court i keep wanting to say cortisol it's not cortisol cordyceps the cordyceps I feel like present a much more frightening danger in that like they can spread so easily 
because it's so small mm-hmm. and it can happen without you realizing it and it can spread really rapidly. And the fact that they were doing it through the eyeball was really not something I was a fan of. No. Well, well, I have a few things to say. Specifically, you just talk about the cordyceps. Like, this movie, yeah, like, it's scary because it's, like, the gross black sludge and, like, da 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 And, like, yeah, they're, like, squ- like painfully, like, mm-hmm. squirting it into your eye or whatever the fuck to infect you. Um, but it's debatably even scarier with The Last of Us stuff because the way that it's, like, I can't remember the exact things, but it's, like, it's in, like – wheat products or like anything with like whatever so like anybody that ate anything with flour in it or whatever when this like outbreak happens which is how it happens so quickly and like there's like a whole thing where like they were gonna have pancakes in the morning and they decide they like are they are out of something so they have eggs instead and it's how they like manage to not become infected it was like so i think i'm like fuck i love a waffle i love this quick mix i'd be gone in a minute um but the changing things you were saying um it's Interesting because those other stories you were saying, because I feel like my understanding of changes has always been specifically like babies and children. I didn't realize that that people thought or believed that it could happen to like adults or older people, which then makes me wonder, because I don't know much about, I've, I have a very vague awareness of these, this lore or whatever, but like, I wonder how closely related it is to like the skinwalker mm-hmm. stuff, because I feel like there's an element of that too, where it's like, the being replaced by a skinwalker where it's like they look like well, you, blah, blah, I think it's probably like, just like a cultural difference because I think that changelings mm-hmm. are most prevalent in like Irish and British folklore and I think mm-hmm. skinwalkers are more like indigenous creatures. Got it. So it's probably very similar. Um, but yeah, changelings are primarily babies and small children, but th- there have been in specifically Irish folklore like tales of older people getting taken, but it, it's it's usually the babies. Well, I also didn't realize how much you love Changelings. I love Changelings. Because a book that was in my top 10 that I read last year um, that I will recommend to you is called Little Darlings by Melanie Golding. And it is a Changeling story about a woman who knew mother who believes her babies have been switched. Um, And it's very good. And honestly, like I really loved it for, I mean, it's written by a woman. So already like women writing about the female experience. Shocker is a lot better to read and feels more real. But like just talking about like, kind of like, she also like kind of deals with like postpartum depression type stuff and blah, blah. Like, and it was just like, really like, mind you, I have not experienced that. I have no babies. I've never been pregnant, nothing like that. But like, it's just one of those things where like I read it and I was like, just felt like such a kinship to her. Mm-hmm. And like, you wrote for her immediately and you're just like, and her husband fucking sucks. And I would recommend it. It was good. Well, fun fact good. for you. You posted your top 10 books on Instagram and I screenshotted <laughs> it. So I have all of them ready to go. <laughs> so I already knew, bitch. I didn't know what um, it was about, but I, it was, I didn't, oh, I didn't read it last year. I read it in 2022. Because I oh, keep forgetting well, I don't have a year. Never mind. Um, so it wasn't the one that I like posted at literally this past December. Um, it's that January of it all girl. It fucking fucks you up. And I'm like, oh, we're in a new year. Um, but yeah, there, there was felt like, yeah, it felt, it was interesting that it felt like it was like a double layer Yes. of, of lore going on or folklore, Mm -hmm. because on the one hand, you just have these creatures where like what we're told, especially by like when the cop comes and he's like kind of explaining it to them more, um, is like they whatever these creatures are fairies creatures of the hollow whatever like this was essentially like their land first and then like people came they pushed them off the mm-hmm. into the forest so they're very like obviously territorial especially if then on top of that you're going to fucking bring your ass into the forest like they're gonna get you mm-hmm. um and then there's the whole added like 
and now they want your baby, which then I guess raises the question of like, so if they didn't have the baby, they'd probably still get attacked. Um, well, I think because there's also he said that he want that they wanted all of them, like they wanted the baby, but they yeah. they wanted them all. And I do think it's a matter of like they came onto their land, so now they're going to get them. Like that's kind of it. But it's interesting too, then, because it's like, oh, if they want the baby, like, okay, great, they got the baby. And you would think that, like, they would just take the baby mm-hmm. and then you guys would come running after it and they'd get your ass too. But it's funny and it's almost like, is it because, I don't know, they're just a little evil and they're like, tee, have a little laugh first, that they, like, do the whole changeling thing. Like, they leave her the wrong baby. So then she's convinced she has the baby. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, okay. Yeah, well, then in theory, like, I guess. Then, if, she, if you think, she, if she thinks she got right. what she wanted, yeah. I guess, I don't know, because in theory, it's like, okay, if she ended up, like, not at the end taking the right baby, and she ran off with, like, fuck it, this is, I know I got my right baby, and she ran off with the changing mm-hmm. baby, it was gonna, like, disintegrate into fucking whatever the fuck when the sun came up, presumably even if she was still holding it. So then would it be, like, then would it just be, like, womp, 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 sucks for you, bye, or would it be, like, then she would run back to get I her I think she probably would. So... It's one of those things where it's like, listen, I like the idea of both. And also, once again, having not read specifically the uh, whatever lore mm-hmm. he specifically chose to choose, whatever. I don't know if there was a story where it was like, no, these very much have to happen together at the same time. Like, I'm sure, like, when he's talking about, like, the the changing of it all. Like, I obviously – let's just refer to these things as fairies because I have no fucking I think that's what they are technically, yeah. Yeah. I know that there's, like, sure, like, there's, fa- there's folklore where, like, the fairies come and take your baby and replace it with something else. I don't know. There's just like there's like a just a slight disconnect mm-hmm. for me, very very minor, where it does just feel like oh, there's two separate things happening, which I think comes into something else I want to talk about, which I really noticed on this watch. I think mainly because I was also watching it for the pod, so I was very much like zoned in and like let's make taking notes. Where I was like, I love that it's ninety minutes or whatever the fuck, around 90 minutes. And I love that within that time, we didn't get, like, faked out. We didn't get to not see anything. We got creatures. That's great and dandy. The front, like, 40 or so minutes, not a whole lot is happening. Like, Mm -hmm. we're setting it up. Like, we're getting to know, like, why they're here. The townspeople are fucking weird about the forest. We get the, like, you know, something gets thrown through the window. Mm -hmm. Like, great. But then if you're just, like, watching it, like, if you're if your mind drifts for, like, a moment, you're just like, oh, what? What's going on? Because it is until the back half. Like, once you see them at the car, when the creatures come out, you're like, okay, let's go. And then from there, it's kind of, like, kind of quick when stuff happens. Mm-hmm. They get back to the house. He's infected. He starts changing, like, fucking almost immediately. And then, like, but he's also, like, the baby is on our baby. Like, mm-hmm. like, that whole thing happens really quick. And then... Because I, I remembered beats of the movie, and then it was happening, and I was like, oh, shit, we're already here? Jesus. Yeah, I so. feel like there's there's definitely stuff in the first part that I think could have been trimmed a bit to make it mm. feel a little tighter. Like, there's uh, – the after the window was broken that night, he goes outside to take photos, and then he, like, sees a creature for the first time, and yeah. there's, like, a flash, and you get to see it. I, I paused on it to be like, let me see what this little guy looks like. And it was so cute and weird. I loved him. Um, <laughs> but – then it like that scene kind of continues on as he's like looking through the forest and I'm like, we're not really doing anything here. Like this is not necessary. And there's, I think there's a few moments like that, but I also think that the, it has character building moments in the first half yeah. where like 
he's he's like smoked and he's watching his wife like cook dinner or whatever and he's like trying to like get all sexy with her and it's just like a nice moment of their relationship and their dynamics um but i agree i definitely think that it is a slow burn it really takes its time establishing the relationships and establishing the the environment that they're in the community and the opinions of the community and the the folklore of it all so I think it's mostly necessary, but I think it could have absolutely been like trimmed a little bit. I think it's almost a hundred minutes. I think it's like ninety-eight mm-hmm. or something. And I think if it had been like a solid ninety, it would have been Chef's Kiss. Yeah. I think well it's funny because like you bring up one like the scene, yeah, when he's like that could be maybe un- considered unnecessary. We don't need it when he goes outside to take the pictures. And that to me very much reads as um like when you're writing a horror movie or whatever, like you don't want to go too long without having like a scare moment. Yeah. For the exact reason I'm talking about, like, you, even if you're like, well, it's all necessary to the story, like, people are watching a horror movie, they want to be, like, oh, scared on their toes, so it's like, fuck, like, we gotta have a moment where we're like, even if nothing huge happens, where it's just, like, a quick reminder of, like, don't worry, it's a horror movie. That's what that feels like, very much so to me, but I think something that I don't disagree with when you're talking about, like, yeah, the beginning is very much, obviously, like, let's set up these characters, because, like, it is going to then kind of be this isolated, like, horror thing, where it's just, like, it is just this husband, wife, and their baby. Mm-hmm. Like, at, like once, like, the sun goes fucking down, like, we don't see anybody else again. It is just, like, them and the fairies. Mm-hmm. Um, But I think that's really, going back to what I was saying at the beginning, something about, um, hold on, something about the adam character beyond the whole like uh, like the, taking a sample with the fucking baby on his back there's something about him that just doesn't work like i don't know that doesn't work like as you're saying like in terms of like him bringing shit in the house mm-hmm. he's doing his job about finding daddy i don't know if it's the performance i don't know what it is he just feels very i don't know if stoic is the right word but like even in the, the kitchen scene like he comes in and like he clearly just wants to talk about his work he's very excited about it but like even then he's not like excited like babe babe like whatever like he's talking and then i i specifically note like the part where like he gets like sexy or whatever with her like they're getting sexy he's kind of like it doesn't give me like hey like whatever where it's like you know what like she's that way like she's like oh like is this like really like getting you hot like thinking about the fucking ants mm-hmm. um and he's just kind of like dead behind the eyes a little bit. He's just like, mm-hmm. see, I don't, I don't agree. I think he, I don't know. I've seen it. Was, I don't know. My <laughs> husband has given me that those eyes. So I know those eyes. I, I know, I know the intent behind those wait, eyes. Wait, no, no. So like, I read into it and I was like, oh, I know what he's gonna do. I see it. Um, it was subtle, but I picked up on it. Maybe it's my affinity for silliness. Who knows? But like, I think because of that. I could see the work being done to be like, and as you said, like in terms of like, sure, if we're just talking about like broadly about his character, what you were saying earlier about like, and then like he gets infected, but he's still like, you Mm -hmm. know, like so determined to make sure that like he probably knows he's not going to survive, but like he's going to make sure his wife does Mm -hmm. and that she leaves with the right baby. Like in theory, story-wise, it's like, wow, what a great arc. Like I should care really deeply or like be like Mm -hmm. really affected by this. But I was just at that point, like I feel like almost just like watching it going through the motions Mm -hmm. where like, I mean, I love her. Like I was very much like with her the whole time like yes mother fight um we're then at the end when i think it's this big obviously moment when he's like come on like i brought you the right baby mm-hmm. like he's like fully turning into this fucking thing he's like shrieking and howling like these fairies um and then in the last moment after he's put the baby down it's like come on make the choice take the right baby and like one of the fairies comes up behind him and like fully like fucking death blows him through the chest mm-hmm. um 
and he falls down. He's like dying, which is supposed to be this moment because then she picks the right baby and blah, blah. And then he's lying on the ground, like dying. And he sees the sun come up and he's like waiting to know that he's right, like praying that he's right, that she took the right baby. Mm-hmm. And it is, I think, this big emotional moment that just like it works. Like, I'm not saying it's like a bad thing, but like in terms of like actually having emotional like gravitas mm-hmm. or actual pull on me, it didn't work. And I think it was because like I didn't connect overall with his performance. That's true. Um, which is it all comes down to a personal personal yeah. preference thing sometimes because clearly like you did not have the same issue so yeah I don't think I was like devastated by any means but I definitely yeah. felt the beats that I was supposed to feel um and you know it might also help that both him and the actor who played Colum are in Game of Thrones so like I'm very familiar with them um mm-hmm. so I I think if I know the actor maybe it's a little easier for me to connect to them I don't know he, is, he does have that, that British stoicism. Well, Corn Hardy definitely likes him because I'm pretty sure I read that he like – because he, he wrote this, right? Let me check that right through before I say anything else. Yes, he did. He was one of three writers. See, I was thinking he was only one of two writers. IMDb has him – has it as Corn Harding – Corn Hardy, Felipe Marino, and Tom DeVille. Oh, see, Letterboxd doesn't have whoever the fuck Tom DeVille is. Maybe it's like story by Tom uh, DeVille. Maybe. Who knows? Anyways, we don't need any of that in there. But um, because I believe Corn Hardy. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's Corn Hardy and Felipe Marino were the screenplay. They wrote the screenplay, but it was also story by Tom DeVille. Okay. Um, but Corn Hardy um was noted as saying that like he was a fan of Game of Thrones. He was a fan specifically of well, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, Joseph Maul on Game of Thrones. And apparently he wrote this part oh. for Joseph Maul. So at the end of the day, it's his goddamn movie. Okay. And he fucking wrote the part for this actor. And I'm sure got what he wanted out of him. Doesn't mean it's for me. It's but... interesting too, because like, he's not a huge character in Game of Thrones. Uh, mm-hmm. He's definitely not one of like the main characters, but... That's interesting that he would be the one that – because Game of Thrones is like fucking like 500 actors in it. So it's interesting that he would be the one that stood yeah. out to him. I like that. I think it's a great time now to move on to the best part of the episode, which is the Q and Slay. The girls who cried be horror. Miss Anya, let's get into – some of the effects that you already talked briefly about at the beginning. So what would you say is your favorite? I, there's really not many kills. So we're just going to go with yeah. this one. Um, what's your favorite practical slash CG effect? It's it's hard because the, as you said, there's not really kills. There's more so like people other than I literally like at the very end. And then it's more so like moments of like getting infected or whatever. Mm. And then other than that, all the practicals pretty much are just like the preachers. Um, I guess I will say, damn, it really is hard to like be like this one thing. Um, you'll have to remind me of her name because I know it now. It's escaping me. Wife or the daughter? Who is the the daughter? Cora. Cora. When we fully see Cora yeah. for the first time, it's after um fucking uh adam has trudged into the woods with like a fucking scythe and he's like found their on like, fire cave, on fire <laughs> and he's like found their cave um and she she's in there all like little like fucking like uh the descent moment mm. and 
she's standing there with his, her back to him and she just looks like a like a raggedy little girl from the back and she's holding the baby and she turns around and you see like her face like belong for the first time uh it is like there's a pumpkin head element to it in the way that it's kind of like weirdly misshapen she's kind of got like a split down the middle like a chestnut um it's just like very it's creepy there's like a cuteness to it too because they have these like kind of just like dark black eyes that are a little like wide set Mm -hmm. which to me i'm always like look at the babies are cute um (laughs) and she's like holding his baby and he like says to her he's like cora and it's it's also like a devastating moment of like us realizing like oh my god like that motherfucking dude in town was right Mm -hmm. like he did get his daughter and she doesn't like react like he doesn't say cora and she's like me like she just kind of keeps staring at him so it's also clear like the Cora that was once there, she's gone. Yeah. She ain't Cora anymore. Um, so I think that moment, because in general, like I really do love how the creatures look. So I could really just say that overall. But I think that moment with her mm. and her little raggedy blonde wig um, is probably my favorite moment. You've just made me think of something because there is like a subplot of the fact that Cora went missing and Colin mm-hmm. believes that the fairies took her and everybody like you know obviously nobody knows the truth but that's what he believes and it's interesting Mm -hmm. to me that they didn't try to replace her with a changeling i think the difference is these people are leads Mm -hmm. they are not respecting i guess like the fairy Mm -hmm. like law like there's a whole like iron bars in the window whole situation but beyond that like he's actively going into the forest and marking shit and like doing it more than once which Mm -hmm. is pissing them off whereas like everybody else it would seem in this town Mm -hmm. that lives here like knows not to do that and it was more so cora being a little girl and like wandering where she shouldn't and her parents didn't realize that like they otherwise, like, I guess, like, the fairies could not even fucking know that her family exists. Like, they haven't made themselves known. They just know Cora That's was true. there, so they're going to take her. Another thing, though, like, in at least in what I know of changelings, I've never seen the aversion to sunlight before. And I think that it's really mm. interesting because if that is a thing, then how can a changeling exist with a family if sunshine, if they can't be out in the sun? So, like, that also felt a little disconnected to me now that I think about it. But... Anyway, I mean, perhaps it's like in this world of lore, mm-hmm. it's just meant to literally be like a temporary placeholder to buy the fairies' time to like right. do what they need to do to the actual baby where it can't be undone. Yeah, I mean, it's, already, it's clearly already like a an adjusted version of the folklore to add yeah, the scientific yeah. elements. So that makes sense. Um, I would say that my favorite effect was Adam's transformation, um, just because similar to like in Pumpkinhead. Where how it is like a slow, over the course of time, decaying and transformation yeah. of his, his body. It's it's really good because obviously at first it's just his eyeball and he's like looking in the mirror and it's like you can see the blood specks like starting to multiply and mm-hmm. they're showing the cells like injecting each other and it's very creepy on like a cellular level. I really don't like it. It makes me very feel very icky. Um, but then as he starts to transform, like he starts to grow these spikes out of his shoulder, which were very splinter-esque to me, which oh yeah. I feel like this and splinter would be such a delicious black goopy kind of double feature. Um, and then mm-hmm. as his eye starts to decay more, it becomes like Cora's eye where it's kind of just this hole almost where his eye once yeah. was and it's very spooky. And I think at one point you see his eye blink, but it's kind of transformed and it blinks like 
the wrong way, like a cat's eye does, like from the left to the right. And I thought that was very cool. And then obviously his cheek starts to open up and then the spikes start to come out of his cheeks. And it's just every time that you see him and it's happening in the dark forest. So like the shadows really add to the effects of it all. It's in there like kind of pulsing and like moving in and out. It's gross. It's grimy. It's really, really well done. He looks fucking Mm -hmm. disgusting. Um, that scene specifically, yeah, when he's like in the mirror, mm-hmm. I think he puts, I think he puts the fucking like wrap on it. Afterwards. Yeah. And he's just like, no, 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 no. It's so sad. That, that, no, that scene freaked me out because it's like, you see it and it's like, and it's like, you know, like, it's like, that was a good performance that moment for mm-hmm. sure. Like looking in the mirror, being like something like, oh my God, I got my eye, I got my eye. And they're like, yeah, like doing the like cuts to like, oh, he's changing. And like, you can see like the eye like become like milky and yeah. like really transform your eyes. But the part that sells it is like the way in which he's like, oh, like, oh my God, freaking out. Like, I just, it just felt very real of like when you can like both like feel something in your body mm-hmm. happening and you're seeing it. Cause sometimes that's worse. Like you could feel nothing, but if you see something, it like for, it's like when people were, it's like, oh, like I don't care. But if I see blood, like I, it's mm-hmm. like over. It was like, uh, it freaked me out because I was like, oh my God. It, it was one of those ones that makes you go, like, what the fuck would I do? Yeah. And it's just like, the fact that oh he's constantly saying, like, no, 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 no. Cause it's, it's that realization of like, uh, like he knows what it what has happened he knows the effects and the consequences of this and he's trying to like come to terms with essentially his own death in that moment of like no 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 like no oh it's it it was very very i feel like that was the most effective scene in the film in terms of caring and like being emotional towards him i would agree um all right well this is a movie that I found it a little difficult to find a favorite line from simply because it's not a movie, once again, that is very campy or silly. So there's not a lot, there's not really any like funny haha lines. And it's, it's not really a dialogue based movie. Like if the only dialogue usually is to kind of just like reiterate like the folklore. Um, but with all that being said, what did you manage to scrounge up as your favorite line from this movie? Yes, I very much agree. I think that all of the dialogue is very purposeful and mm. there's not really any like banter or anything fun, silly. But my favorite line was when he Adam brings the broken window to the local repair shop to get it fixed. And the repairman is trying to explain like, you know, the fairies are doing this guy like that's what's happening um and he says if you trespass upon them they'll trespass upon you and i thought that was a very succinct spooky way to explain essentially the entire plot of the film um and then after that he does go on to be like your wife shouldn't have taken the iron down and i'm like oh that's also spooky but like oh he said like oh i can fix it but like there's no point if you don't have the iron up and that also right. adds like a whole like thing of like, oh, well, that's why the iron was there. It's creepy that he knows she took the iron down. Like, does the whole community already know? Like, it's there's a lot to it. Yes. Uh, it's so funny you picked that because I literally almost picked that. I was like, that's probably the only thing I can like pick. And then I, I remembered another moment where I was like, actually, let me go back to this. And is what I ended up picking, which is when right before the fucking window shop scene, um, when right after the 
um, window has been broken and they bring in the local police officer mm-hmm. um, to inspect and they're like telling him they think who it is and da 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 and he's like talking and he's like oh yeah like which is when we hear it's like the whole thing about like oh he thinks his daughter's gone missing all this stuff but he's explaining to them like what I was saying earlier when he's talking about like oh they pushed the fairies off the land da 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 and um, Adam's character is like looking at him and he's like clearly like over it and he's like okay like blah blah so like you're a believer too and then there's like a beat and then the cop goes like oh not me I'm from Belfast different sort of boogeyman up there which like is this like brush off line or whatever but it was just one of those things where I was like wait a minute what's the boogeyman in Belfast? <laughs> like, I was just like, are we getting a, a fuck the nun? Like we're getting a like Irish folklore cinematic universe. Um, I love that. So I have not looked into that yet. I must, but I was just like, it is fun because I think it adds that layer of like, sure. Like something you don't think about, but then after it's like the movie plays out and you're like, Oh, so this shit's real. Um, so that fucking Belfast boogeyman is probably real too. What is it? Um, yeah, I like that there's just like everywhere you go, there's going to be some kind of lore that is yeah. regional to you. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, I think I know the answer to this question because the cast is not very big. Um, but who would be your partner in crime? I'm going Claire, mother, mm-hmm. um, because for several reasons. One, this is very specific. Um, she looks to me exactly like it's like so close to my friend eliza from college um they have like slightly different eyes but i remember the first time i watched this and i I feel like everyone's had that experience where you watch something Mm -hmm. random and there's some actor or actress in it and you're like oh my god and it's like uncanny it like looks just like like somebody you know or something and it's all you can think about the whole Mm -hmm. time so maybe from the since the first time i watched this i remember being like well, I have to root for her. It's my friend Eliza. Um, but but that aside, I just think also she's like she's she just like such a unique, I don't know, like look to her mm-hmm. face that I think is very beautiful. And in general, I'm always gonna root for a beautiful woman. Hello. Um But I think in terms of her character, she's a good mother. Um, she even though, like, obviously once like the changeling shank thing happens, we obviously learn at the very end that like I guess she had the wrong baby and was protecting the wrong baby. But I don't fucking fault her for that at all. Because it's like, she is the one that, first of all, is fucking taking care of this goddamn house um, the best that she can. And she is like, yeah, she's mothering so hard. Like, she fucking runs after that fucking changeling. She's in the fucking swamp mm-hmm. ass water getting her baby back. But the moment that I really was like, and that's how it fucking should be is when she's like in their like shed situation or whatever the hell which is where the scythe is Mm -hmm. and like she like locks herself in there with the baby and adam's trying to get in and he's like clawing his way in he's like it's not our baby it's not our baby listen to me listen to me and she's like fucking go away and he like claws the boards off drugs his body in and then she's because she's like this is my baby and i the only thing i know for certain is that you're infected right I can physically see you changing and you're not acting right. To my knowledge, this baby is no different to me. Um, He picks up the fucking scythe and she's like, get back, get back. And when he doesn't fully listen, she takes a full fucking swipe at him with this scythe. And there is a moment where like he stops for that. There is a moment where you're like, oh my God, is he going to like fucking split in two and like fall on the Mm -hmm. floor? Like, did she get him? And I remember like, even this time it gagged me again. Because I, like, forgot that she takes a full fucking swing at his ass. And I was like, 
she was fully prepared to kill you dead right there for this baby. Mm -hmm. And that's what a mother should do. And that's what a mother did. Um, So I just love that she's a badass bitch that will fucking look in the face of pure fucking horror and terror and still fucking stand tall to protect this baby. So I would love to have her on my team. Yeah, she's wonderful. I love her character. I obviously went with Iggy the dog because that dog is so fucking beautiful and fluffy and perfect. And I want to squeeze it so bad. Um, And, you know, the fate of the dog is not great. The dog does not die, but it does transform and become something else that I'm assuming will then go on to just live in the woods until eventually it is no longer alive. But mm-hmm. it's a beautiful dog. It's I don't I don't know the gender, but I'm gonna say he because I think I think Iggy was a boy dog. Um I don't want to say it. I don't like that. Um but he's off leash. He listens. He clearly has a good snout because he found that deer carcass. And the moment when Adam has him on leash and Iggy sees something, one of the creatures, and starts barking and starts trying to, like, tug away. And he lets go of the leash. My heart sank because, you know, I would have had a death grip on that leash. I will never let my dog. Yeah. I I don't care how hard it's pulling. You will drag me across the forest floor. I'm not letting go of your leash. So I would not have allowed Iggy to get caught up in all of that. And we would have had really great cuddle sessions. And it would have been delightful. I – if only. If only. If only, girl. Well, now we move on to the OG questions, which I will say, you kind of already answered mine. Okay. So. Well, I might have, if if it's the same question I'm thinking, I might have a different answer. So what is it? Okay. Well, my question is, and the thing is like, you could have more than one answer. So you could, my question is this, obviously this is based on. Irish folklore. And as we said earlier, like folklore is huge and broad and there's different folklore for different places and blah, 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 different stories. Um, and there's a lot of folklore that I think is obviously steeped in horror. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious, um, what is your favorite, it could be a creature or type story type thing from folklore. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have another. It doesn't have to be your it doesn't have to be your exact favorite. It could be one of your favorites. I'm just curious. Well, it's, I'm glad that you asked this because when we were talking about how Changelings were my, my favorite, there was another one that popped in my head that I was like, fuck, that's also my favorite. I need to bring that up too in some way. So now I can. Um, I do have two favorites, I would say. Changelings are definitely one of them. I don't think that there's like as much – there's probably a lot of lore. I just haven't read as much about it. Um but I just think in general, the concept of changelings are fascinating. But the other kind of folklore, cryptid, whatever you want to call it, that I'm obsessed with are black-eyed children. Oh, I fucking yes, I love you. black-eyed children. It's very similar to changelings because it is this like otherworldly creature that takes on the persona of a human body. But like something about it is not quite right. Obviously, they also have black eyes with like no pupils. It's just like it's just black. But there's always something off about them. The way that they speak is always a little bit weird. Like they don't like if they were going to say like, can I have something to eat? They would be like, can I mash food in my mouth? Like they would say it weirdly where you're kind of like, what now? Because they're trying to mimic dialogue and they're trying to mimic body language and they just don't quite understand how humans like move and speak and so it's always a little bit uncanny it's always a little bit off and I find them so fucking terrifying there was that one into the dark movie that 
I was just going to bring it's it up. Not they come rated back, highly, but I think it was so fucking scary because it was about black eyed children. And we both gave it fucking four stars. I really which liked we it. Like, we never really liked the fucking Into the Dark movies. And we were both like, guys. What was it called? They Come Knocking. Yeah, I really like Adam. I just, they, there's something about them that really like pull my strings in the right way that freak me out and fascinate me. So black eyed children all day long. Yeah, and yeah, highly recommend They Come Knocking. It is on Hulu. You guys might watch it and think we're fucking deranged for like liking this so much. Yeah. And to be fair, I've only watched it one time. I never went back and watched it again. So maybe I'd rewatch it and be like, I was crazy. But funny that like, because that's definitely when we first talked about the Black Eyed Children. Because I remember I really liked it, funny enough, after, you know, low-key fucking dunking on this, you know, dad performance in this movie. <laughs> I love the dad performance in They Come Knocking, which goes to show that like maybe if there's weaker points to that Mm. movie performances i'm like i'll forgive like because i'm here emotionally with this but i remember then i was like alex my god the next into the dark you gotta see it it's so fucking good and then you watched it and you really liked it but because of the black-eyed children and i was like i don't even know what that is but (laughs) okay yes um wow i love that um i completely forgot once you said it i was like oh my god she's literally talked about this before yes um well, mine, which I certainly have talked about before, I'm pretty sure I've talked about it on the pod. Um, my and I don't, I kind of do know, and I was trying to fucking look up the name of it. You might know, though it's really random. I know what the name of the folklore is or the, the mm-hmm. creature. My favorite is the Wendigo. Mm-hmm. I fucking love a Wendigo story. Holy shit! I mean, we definitely talked about it on the Pet yeah. Cemetery episode. Like, da da da. It is um, originated from uh, Algonquin folklore. Mm-hmm. So Native American folklore. Um, and there's so many iterations of it. Um, I mean, they've, it's been on everything from like, they did it on fucking Supernatural, mm-hmm. like blah, blah. And I was, I really tried to try to think where I was like, why, like, when did this first come into my like knowledge of whatever? And I was like, it probably was Supernatural. What? Like when I was like fucking mm-hmm. watching it illegally on like our family computer at like 10 PM at night on like a torrented website. Um, and I was like, and then I remember, I was like, no, the, we, oh my God, I think I just remembered the name of it. Holy shit. Hold on. We read a book. I think it was in middle school, but it definitely was while I was in school. And it was like, cre- when I think back to like, um, oh my fucking God, I found it. Um, wait. Um, when I think back to like the books that I read in school, sometimes I am just like, also, that definitely made me a horror fan. Mm-hmm. Like, we had Coraline as, like, a sign reading <gasps> and shit. Yeah, dog. Where, like, and I remember, like, being so utterly fucking affected by, like, the scene when, like, after her parents are taken and she sleeps in their bed without mm-hmm. them. I literally remember being like, oh, this is the most upsetting <laughs> ever fucking thing. Uh, but we read a book called The Skeleton Man. Skeleton um, Man. I like that. And literally, like, let me show you this cover, girl. Like, it was, like, creepy. Like, it's literally, like, I don't know if you can see it. It's, like, the skeleton hand, like, grabbing his fucking ankle. Oh, yeah, I see it. Um, but, and for a while, um, hold on, I gotta. Yeah, so it's it's literally a story that's based in Native American folklore about a Wendigo. Um, and I, I would love to revisit it because I feel like at the time I was like, I'm reading this and I know it's creepy, but I don't really understand like what I'm being told is happening. Um, 
But I think, I mean, I think there's multiple iterations and I'm certainly not going to do it justice, I'm sure, and like describing it. But a lot of times usually like, the Wendigo story comes from um, kind of like a cannibalism base mm-hmm. of like somebody usually like I feel like in hard times, there's not enough food, they resort to like eating human meat, um, which then like usually will give them like sometimes like strength and like extra abilities, but will also simultaneously turn them into a monster until they become the Wendigo. Mm-hmm. Um, which obviously plays into like when we were talking about fucking Pet Cemetery and like the whole like Native American burial ground, the ground sour, which is the spirit of the Wendigos there, all this stuff. But I I don't know what it is. I love a fucking Wendigo story. And I think it literally started when I read The Skeleton Man and was like, I don't fucking quite understand what this is, but I am very intrigued. I can't even believe I remember the name. I literally, before we started recording, I was like, literally, I was like, Wendigo YA book. Wouldn't find, couldn't find anything. And then I was like, Bone Man. Like that. I was like, was it with bones? What was it? And it just came to me. But in great Wendigo um, news, um, recently it was announced, like literally within like the last week, I believe that they are, I guess, att- going to attempt to do an Until Dawn um, adaptation for the video game into a film. Yeah, you love that. Which game, um, you played it, right? I've never played it. No. Oh, you never played it. No. Um, it's on my list. When I got an Xbox, I was like, Anya, what game should I play? And that's on there. Very good. I'm sorry. This is a spoiler for anybody, but I've already said it. it there's it's there's Wendigo shit happening in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fun thing about it, the video game, is it's a choose-your-own-adventure butterfly effect Oh, I game. love that. So there's, like, multiple endings. So everyone was saying on Twitter, they were, like, they have the opportunity to do the funniest thing ever, which is, like, pull, like, a clue mm-hmm. and, like, put out – film every possible ending and put it out so everybody sees a different version of the movie, which I would love. And I'm really curious because it was a motion capture video game done with, like, actors and mm-hmm. fully their likenesses in the video game that I'm, like – Will any of them reprise their roles for yeah. the movie? Who knows? Um, but that's my exciting when to go. This was all an excuse so I could talk about fucking <laughs> new when to go. Games. You were able to do um, uh, Until Dawn and The Last of Us. Good for you. No, literally like I won today. Um, but anyways, that's my OG. Amazing. Um, my OG question is similar and also similarly, uh, you kind of – possibly already answered it so if that's the case you can just elaborate on it um but as you said this focuses heavily on irish folklore but as we talked about so many cultures have their own version of folklore and i want to know what cultures folklore you would love to learn more about or see with more representation in horror films or just film in general that's a good question you brought up belfast so you know (sighs) I would love to learn about the Belfast Boogeyman if we're fucking talking about that. Um, it's interesting because I feel like I'm not as immersed into folklore as I maybe w- should be as a horror fan. Mm-hmm. It feels like one of those things where it's like I, it will, I'll just stumble across something. And I'll be like, oh, that's fun. I'm not like, you know, like doing deep dives. But I guess I would say Native American folklore simply because um, – I live in America. Mm-hmm. So I feel like uh, obviously while it was their land first, I, I don't know. There's something interesting about it. And I think because of the fact that there, ha- you know, as we move into the future, there's definitely more diversity in like media and the people in front of the camera and behind the camera. So I feel like there's been a lot of iterations, even if we're just talking about the Wendigo stuff mm-hmm. up until the point where it's like, 
but it's through a lens that I'm sure it's like white people interpreting the story. And even if they, if it's enjoyable, it's good. Even if like they got a lot of things right, I do think that getting it from like getting whether it's Wendigo stories or other like Native American folklore stories from specifically like indigenous people Mm -hmm. um, will heighten it. Another literally like where the fuck is the goddamn book? I don't, I don't know if this is written by, um, I don't, I don't think it is. I don't think it's written by a a Native American author, but um, those who came before was another book on the same fucking top 10 list as little darlings that I read that I really loved that actually got me like really, really heavily back into reading um, in the past few years. Um, that is steeped in Native American folklore. And I remember once again being like reading it. And once again, I I think it's written by a white woman. It is written by a woman. I'm looking at her right now. She is a woman. Um, But I cannot tell what her ethnicity is. I don't know. So I don't know. But it's once again, it's just like, if she's not indigenous, it's like, then even imagine then if someone like we gave the opportunity to those people like how even better it would Mm -hmm. be so i think that would probably be where i leaned to because it's also the only one that i feel like i like have any already interest in exactly like i mean if i did more research i might find that some other area of the world has really really cool stuff that i'm into but that's the only one that i have any sort of inkling about yeah i think i think it'd be very cool for you to learn about Native American folklore, but also if you don't know much, like just American folklore in general as well, because there is one creature named the Squonk who I highly <laughs> learned about the Squonk because he is a creature who is so ugly that all he does <laughs> is cry and and just he just always has puddles of tears around him because he's always crying about how ugly he is. I'm obsessed with the Squonk. That makes me really sad. <laughs> he's pretty ugly, but he's also really cute, you know? So ugly. He is pretty ugly, you guys. Um, yeah, that's. I mean, I figured you would. That would be uh, your answer, which is a great answer because they have a lot. I feel like Native American folklore, as well as like so immersed in like this, like spirits and like the spirit world. Yeah, and I think yeah, that's yeah. also really fascinating. Um, for me, we just read a book. Ani and I are in a book club uh, with Elizabeth, my friend Elizabeth, um, and we just read Nothing But Blackened Teeth, which is a Japanese oh, yeah. film, film, a Japanese book um, about Japanese folklore called the yokai. And I found them to be so fascinating. I took, mm-hmm. I like took screenshots of all the different kinds of yokai that were talked about in the book to share with them. And like, there was this one little boy who was like, it was a, like a, oh, a yeah. human boy reptile creature who was like obsessed with cucumbers and had this like weird lake <laughs> on top of his like bald head. It was fascinating there were like cat creatures and bird creatures and fish women and i was just like wow there's so much there like the yokai is such a vast lore and i don't know any of it and i feel like i've never really been immersed in it i've never read about it. i've never seen anything like that until this book so i i would love to see more japanese folklore out there because i think it's really weird and cool and unique i've never seen anything quite like it i think american folklore is so steeped in like the forest i feel like all the creatures are like in the woods or like the mountains and i think the yokai seem like it's kind of spread a lot further and it's it's more fascinating i think i'm sure if you look deeper into like or things that already exist in terms of like Mm -hmm. like japanese horror films like i'm sure there because i even think about like 
probably the only one that I've watched that even is like remotely close to that stuff is like House. Right. Yeah. I think there's like an element of like a little bit of like that kind of stuff going on. Once again, I don't know anything about the yokai or anything like that other than like literally what we like read it briefly. And that book is tiny. It's like fucking 80 pages. Um, But I have to imagine like there's a good, a decent amount of like Japanese horror films that like are pulling directly from that stuff. Yeah. I think it's fascinating. I need to explore that a little bit deeper. Well, that concludes the Q and Slay, which means we're coming to the end of our February episode, which means we must rank the film on our one and only no alterations (laughs) needed rating scale. Um, which I guess since I selected the movie and I feel like I always make you go first, I can go first and rate it. I'm, hmm, I'm going to give this one a, a dumb jock, a solid three center of the road. Um, having seen this film three times now, I feel pretty good about my decision with that. Um, I think for a first feature out the gate, really impressive, great work. Um, and clearly it's worked to get him a bunch of other shit so congrats to him um i really like the creature effects i think it is shot nicely um i think overall what makes me not want to rate it higher um especially after this third watch is as i was kind of already saying in the meat of the episode i feel like there's pacing issues mm-hmm. going on where like it kind of can lose steam and if you're not like fully 100 percent locked in like you might kind of like lose interest um and i don't connect with it i wish i i wish it it packed more of a punch for me emotionally which it feels like to a certain degree it is trying to do Mm -hmm. if if i didn't think it was trying to do it i wouldn't say anything about it but it does feel like it is attempting to do that um so i think three and i would certainly recommend uh to see at least one so i'm going dumb jock well you know i love to go between our ratings so i'm gonna give it a three and a half that dumb jock who lives next to me um I think, yeah, all of the things that you said, and obviously I'm prone to really enjoying changeling stories. I also really love the viral parasitic element to it. I think it adds Mm -hmm. a lot of depth that, you know, the the changeling lore in general is already very interesting to me. But I think when you add on this scientific – element to it it grounds it more in reality which makes it even more frightening for me and the effects are really great i i was affected emotionally not maybe as much as was intended but definitely more than you were so i'm gonna give it that extra little bump and go three and a half nice well that concludes our our little chatterino on the hollow 2015 which once again if now you're really inspired to watch it uh is streaming on shutter and on tubi i'm sure along with probably a bunch of other like free streaming movie apps as per usual um but yeah thank you for joining us for our february episode i want to say a quick happy birthday to all the aquarius babies out there happy birthday buki mm. happy birthday christine all my aquarius oh, i forgot buki is a yes, february birthday is an happy birthday buki we love an aquarius in this house buki for anyone that's like who the fuck <laughs> are you talking about is um our number one fan um our most devoted follower and our good bud we love him deeply um because he rides for us but yeah so after this release we only have 
two episodes left in season four for main episodes are um, mm-hmm. uh, March and April episode, and then May, where we're starting season fucking five. Um, but yeah, so get ready for that and get ready as per usual for whatever fun we have left in this season planned and then get ready for us to fucking kick it off with a bang for season five. Um, and make sure that, you know, you're following us on all our socials. And once again, I think I've mentioned this before. I don't think when we recorded our outro that I had mentioned our TikTok, but we are on TikTok at the Grossy Crabby Horror. So certainly follow us there. And also now, if you're a Spotify listener, I don't think I've ever mentioned this either, you can rate our podcast on Spotify. And unlike when you like do an iTunes review, which are also helpful if you want to do those, um, sometimes it like prompts you on iTunes to like write a review, which is also very nice when you do that. But on Spotify, it literally just like you can give us five stars and you can move on, which is what I'm asking you to do is to give us five stars and then move on. <laughs> um, so if you haven't done it yet, what a nice little gift and treat that would be for us because um, it does help us. It certainly does help us. Yeah, if you like us, please help and support us so that we can have a good rating on Spotify so more people can find us. And it is the miserable winter, so please stay warm wherever you are, whatever part of the country or the world you're in. Keep warm, and one day soon the sun will be up for longer, and maybe we won't all be miserable. Yeah, literally so soon we'll hopefully get back to those fucking 8 p.m. sunsets. Please, God. But I guess the good Um, thing about the winter is that the sun sets earlier, so you have more time to watch spooky movies. Right. Uh, I have no time to get anything productive done, but I do have time to excuse to sit on my ass and watch more movies. Um, But as Alex said, make sure to keep warm and as always, keep it creepy. Bye, creeps. Bye, bye, bye. Hi, creeps, and thanks for listening to another episode of The Girls Who Cried Be Horror. We'd like to take a minute to give thanks to Rachel Baldwin, who is the mastermind behind our incredible new intro music. You can follow her on Instagram at Rachel K. Baldwin, and all of her other music is available to stream on all major streaming platforms. We'd also like to thank Raymond Lowell, who's the incredible artist behind our podcast, Artwork. You can follow him on Instagram at rblowell to see all his other incredible work. And then for your two lovely hosts, Alex can be found on Letterboxd at Alex Branley, and I, Anya, can be found on Letterboxd at agarity 15 as well as Twitter. And if you'd like to keep up to date on all things related to our podcast, you can follow us on Instagram at the Girls Who Cried Be Horror, follow us on Twitter at Girls Who Cried BH, and if you'd like to send us a message very personally, you can email us at the Girls Who Cried Be Horror at gmail.com. Until next time, creeps, keep it creepy.